Come on, say it's time for the word. Amen, amen. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through verse 5. And... Oh, pray first? Okay. So we're going to pray first and then we'll read the scripture. Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through your precious blood, we give you praise and glory and honor. Father, we just thank you for your grace today. Lord, we know that your grace is sufficient for every need that arises in our lives. Lord, we know that it's already done because Christ finished it through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We thank you, Father, that we are now in the spirit. We are not under the law, and we can walk in the spirit, Lord Jesus. So we thank you for that today. We thank you for the faith that you have given us. We know that it must be by faith so that it can be by grace. We got to first believe the gospel so that we can live the grace life. So, Father, we just thank you so much for that. We thank you, Lord, for the eyes of our understanding, how you're opening up our understanding so we can see what you are saying to us, Lord, so that we can walk in the spirit and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so, Father, we thank you that our hearts is open because you've given us your spirit. Our heart now is open so that we can receive your word. So we thank you for that today through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through verse 5. It says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was in the demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So my faith stands in the power of God. Amen. So uh, you can be seated now in the presence of the Lord. So I'm ministering from Paul preach Christ. But the, the word today is how is a man made right or how is a man justified with God? And I showed you that when Pastor Crum did the teaching, he showed us the three righteousness. And the first one was called the righteousness of faith or it was called the law of righteousness. The NLT calls it the law way. And what that said in Romans 10, 5, the Apostle Paul said, for Moses writes, or he described it, the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live in him, shall live by them. The man which keep God's law, his statutes, his judgments, the man which keep them, he lives by them. Because the by them mean whatever the commandments of the law said, if it was blessing and you kept it, the blessings followed your life. You lived in those blessings. But if it was curses and you did not obey the word, then that's what came upon their lives. So thank God we are not under the law because the law of righteousness was to Israel. You got to always remember that. Say the law of righteousness was to Israel when they came out of Egypt. All right. We're not in Egypt. We're in grace. Amen. We're in the kingdom of God. All right. So that was not to us. But I'm bringing that because I'm showing you the three righteousness. So I got to show you that one. All right. So then the next one, and that was God's goodwill. That's how they were going to have life. Not eternal life, but natural life. And they would be able to live long. They would have many good days if they kept. And even when Jesus came, he said that when a... Uh, if you honored your mother and your father, it said that your days may be long. He said, but this is the first commandment with the promise that if you obey, guess what? You would live long. So we see that a lot of that still came forth anyway. But anyway, the second one, which is acceptable will, is called the righteousness of faith. Say the righteousness of faith. And what it says is that the gospel of Christ, Romans 1, 16 and 17, which is the power of God, to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It said therein, in the gospel of Christ, 
is the righteousness of God revealed. And it's revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So I told you that the righteousness of the law is that the man that doeth those things going to live by them. But the righteousness, which is of faith, says the just. So that means it's no longer just the man that do the things, but now the ones whom God has justified. And he justified you when you believed the gospel. He justified you when you received his son Christ. You received his death, his burial, his resurrection. Now God said you are the just, and now you're going to live by faith. What? By the faith of Christ. Uh, uh, Galatians 2.20 said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but it's Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I, that I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Christ gave himself for me so we could have his life. So when we believe on him, God gives us the Holy Spirit. That is Christ's life. The Bible said that the, that the spirit is life because of the righteousness. So if you are the just, you got his spirit. And if you don't have his spirit, then you're none of his. But I believe we all have his spirit. Amen. Come on, say, I have the spirit of Christ living in me. And it bears witness that you have the spirit of Christ living in you. And then the, the next which I call the perfect will of God. It's called the gift of righteousness. And all the gift of righteousness tells us in Romans 5, 17, is that for by one man's offense, that one man was Adam, by Adam's offense, death reigned over all men. But it said much more they which receive the abundance of grace. Well, Christ was the one came as grace and truth. The Bible said grace and truth. Moses gave the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, I am come. He said, I'm not come to destroy the law, but I'm come to fulfill. But he said, I'm come, uh, John 10, 10. I am come that you might have life. Life. But he, but he had to give his life. He had to first die to give you life. But he said, I'm come so that you can have. When I come, you receive me. When I die, I give my life. Now you can have that life and you can have it more abundantly. But how many know when Jesus came and he preached the gospel of the kingdom, they didn't receive him. They was like, who is this? But you know what I want to show you is that there were those that were looking for Christ to come. He was called the Messiah. He was called Christ. They were looking for him. And the ones that saw him, they recognized, they believed on him. The ones that did not, they were against him. They wanted to stone him. They lied against him. And eventually they crucified him. But that was God's plan. All right. So then I'm going to go to you. Um, we're going to go to, nope. So what we're going to do, we're going to start where we left off at. And we talked about what was the purpose of the law. Come on, say, God gave the law of righteousness to Israel. It was the, the children that came out of the wilderness. And he gave it to them. It was going to be their wisdom and their understanding in the sight of all the nations. Because remember, the nations that was in the sight of them, the Canaanites that was in the land, they were wicked. They did wickedly. He, he told them in Leviticus 18. He said, after the doings of the, of the people, that the land that you're going into, don't you do like they do. You are holy people. They don't know me, but you know me. You know what I did for you back in Egypt. You've seen all of my plagues, all of the miracles that I did on the land of Egypt. You saw what I did. You saw how I opened up the Red Sea and you walked through on dry ground. You saw what I did. You didn't see me, but you saw my works. You saw my miracles. And you heard the man of God tell you what I was going to do. And I did it. So now, once you get to this point, then the next thing, you got to look forward to the prophet that Moses said that, I'm, that God was going to raise up in our midst. Now when he come, you got to hear him. But when Christ came, they didn't want to hear him. Who are you? We want to keep the, the commandments. We got to keep the law. So I'm going to start here. It says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19. Okay. So it says, wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions. 
till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it said it was ordained by an angel in the hand of a mediator. Well, we know that the mediator was Moses. All right. So now it said that the law was added because of transgressions. And one of the things is that the law was added to show men and to make them fully conscious of their sin. Because the Bible said, therefore, Romans 3.20, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. The law also was to deter men from committing sin. It was to declare the penalty or the punishment for sin, but it also was to keep them alive so that they could live a long life in the land and be the example to all of the unbelievers, to the Gentiles, to all of those that did wickedly. When they look up and they saw, oh my God, this is a holy people. I mean, they have a God they don't even see, but yet he fights for them. I mean, they get in trouble, they just call and all of a sudden it, it happens. Even the enemy turned against themselves. What kind of God is this? They were to be an example. Well, the same way we are to be. We're to be an example of the believer. We believe, so we're supposed to be an example. The believers should not see our lives that we're doing the same thing that the unbelievers are doing. You don't want to grieve the spirit of God. His spirit lives in you. And at some point, we got to recognize the spirit of Christ that lives on the inside of us. When you make, okay, it was just like, remember I told you about the fringes and the border. When they looked, they would remember all of the commandments. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So when we go walk after the flesh, the Holy Spirit said, mm-mm, don't do that. But how many know sometimes they heard the Holy Spirit? And you know, and then when they go out and get in trouble, they say, you know what, I should have listened. They said, I should have listened to my first mind. But if you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, he just told you, no, that's not me. Don't do that. Don't go that way. Turn around. Go back. But we said, mm, I'm going to go in the way because I got to see. And then that's when you get in trouble. So now you're grieving the spirit of God. So but remember, you are an example. You may be the only book that people are going to see. Some may never come, but when they see your life, they always say, it's something different about you. How many of you, most of you, when you went on a work and you went on a job, and people say, oh, no, because they don't know Christ, it's something different about you. I mean, you're getting all upset. You're not cursing people out. You're not swearing. You're not laying down your religion. You're not doing, what is it? Oh, thank you. I want to introduce you to the gospel of Christ. That's what it's all about. When they see your life, they know there is something that is constraining you. They know that there's something that is keeping you. That's got, you still got the love, the joy, and the peace. You walking in that. You walking in that. It's not hard. Maybe they uh, really gave you a really bad day. But you say, excuse me. It's just like Superman. Excuse me, I'll go get in this phone booth. But you're going, I'm going to the bathroom for a minute. And you go in there and you pray, hallelujah. Oh, my God. And you know, like sometimes, like when you're going through stuff, I know I did. I don't know about anybody else. But when I was, and I ain't want nobody to hear me, I get my pillow. And I just scream. <laughs> and after I scream, then I pray. Then I can get up. Oh, okay, I understand that. But guess what? Nobody seen the foolishness. Nobody's seen words come out of your mouth that should not have been there in the first place. Because then you're walking after the flesh. But we're in the spirit. Come on, say, I am in the spirit. I walk in the spirit. I live in the spirit. And I do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right, so let me go a little bit further. So it was going to make them have, it's going to keep them alive. It would deter them from committing sin. It would declare the penalty for sin. And it also would keep them alive. Now, I'm going to give you an example, and we're going to go to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 6 and verse 17. That's for the tape. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 17. Now, remember when they were going to go. This is when they marched around Jericho seven times. So Joshua gave them instruction. He said, the city is accursed. Don't partake of the accursed thing. He said, let me, let me just read it first. So in, in uh, Joshua chapter six, and I'm going to look at, what I say, verse seven? 
Okay, yeah, Joshua 6.17. So Joshua 6.17 said, The city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers, the spies, that were sent. And then in verse 8, he specifically tells them, And you, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and you trouble it. Now this is, he's telling us to everybody, but of course, how many know you got some folks going to be hard-headed anyway? All right, so go to chapter 7, verse 1. It said, but the children of Israel committed. He just told them the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carni, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now go to verse 11. And so here Joshua is laying on his face before the Lord. The Lord said, Israel has sinned, and they've also transgressed my covenant, which I command them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen, disassembled also, and they put it among their own stuff. Go down to verse 20 through 26. And then, and Achan answered, so Joshua, they, they took a toll to see well, what family the sin, what family that committed the sin. Then they went through well, who in that family committed the sin. They did it by lot. All right. So in verse 20, he says, and Joshua answered, and Achan answered Joshua and he said, indeed, it was me. I've sinned against the Lord God of Israel and thus and thus have I done. He said, when I saw among the spoils, the goodly Babylonian garments, man, they were sharp. Okay. He said, and there was 200 shekels of silver and there was a wet, you know, a little way to go, you know, so I took it. I hid it in the earth in the midst of my tent and I put the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to Achan's tent and behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver was under it. So they took them out the midst of the tent. They brought it to Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and it laid it before them. And Joshua and all of Israel took him. They took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold. Now, see, back then, it wasn't just I sinned. One man. Not only are you going to get punished, your wife, your children. Not only are you going to lose your house, your car. I didn't have a car back then, but your donkey, your, you know, your husband. Okay. You're going to lose it all because you transgress against God's commandment. Come on, say, thank God. I'm not under the law. This was to Israel. All right. So then in verse 24, it said, And Joshua and all Israel took him. They took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought it unto the valley of Achor. That's what they named the valley after they killed him. And Joshua said, well, why have you troubled us? The Lord shall trouble you this day. And all of Israel stoned them with stones, burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor unto this day. So see, there, there was judgment when you transgress against the Lord. So for us today, go, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. We're not under the law, so we're not under the law, but we're under grace. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. Verse 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, said the Lord, 
and touch not the unclean thing. Well, what is the unclean thing when you walk after the flesh? Because the Bible said there is no good thing in the flesh. But as long as you walk in the spirit, you're going to be okay. Come on, say, as long as you walk in the spirit, you're going to be okay. But once you walk after the flesh, you are where you should not be. Come on, say, you are where you should not be. Remember, not only do we live in the spirit, but we also got to walk in the spirit. And the Bible said when we live in the spirit, we won't fulfill that lust of the flesh. That's where the sin and death was. All right. So Ephesians 5.11. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11 said, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them. Don't have no fellowship. I don't care if it's your best friend. I don't care if it's your sister or your brother. Don't have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. If they going to get involved and walk out the flesh, I'm not going. You know, see, if the righteous who you are because you've been justified, you got to stand up and say something. You know, because under the law, if, if a neighbor saw something, they saw it and they didn't tell it, they bore that iniquity because they saw it and they could have stopped it. How many times we've seen things and we say, ain't none of my business, I ain't messing with that. So they got the saying, see something, say something. You can stop things from happening. <laughs> say, see something. Say something. If you got a brother or sister in Christ and you see that they're walking after the flesh, don't say, mm, well, that's, that's them. Come on, say something. The Spirit of God is on the inside of you. Okay, say, see something. Just say something. All right, so let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through 3. So we're talking about the law now. The Bible said, now this is, this is the writer of, to the Hebrews. It says, Hebrews chapter 1, said, For the law having a shadow of good things to come. Say the law having a shadow of good things to come. See, even with the law that they were keeping, the good thing, which was Christ, was coming. But it says, and, but it's not the very image. The law wasn't the very image of the thing. But the law could never, with those sacrifices that they sacrificed to make atonement for their sin, it could never take, it could never make the commerce perfect. It's like you committed sin, whether it was in ignorance, but you still had to give the priest your offering. When he made the atonement for you, you were okay for a minute, but guess what? There was always a remembrance of what you did. Always. It could never make the conscience perfect. Then in Hebrews chapter 2, said, For then would the offering had ceased if it made you perfect, but because the worshiper once purged should then have had no more conscience of sin, no more conscience of what you did wrong. But verse 3 said, But in those sacrifices, because you did those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made every day year. But thank be to God for Hebrews 9.14. It said, but the blood of Christ. <laughs> oh my, let's go to Hebrews 9.14. See, the, the lambs, the bulls, the goat that you offered, you was always a remembrance of what you had done. But, now not us, because we were never under the law. But the blood of Christ, for those that were under the law, the, the Hebrews 9.14 said, and I'm going to start at verse 11. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, the unclean mean the person that committed the trespass or were guilty, it sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. It was on the flesh, like they took a dead, uh, if they touched, somebody died, they died, you know, that was sin, you couldn't touch the dead bodies. You had to go outside the camp, you had to wait so many times and then make your offerings. It said, but when you did the offering, it only purified the flesh. It did nothing for the mind, did nothing for the conscience. But then the Bible says, where am I at? Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, purge your conscience from dead works, 
to serve the true and living God. So only the blood of Christ could cleanse your conscience. It had to be the blood. Remember Hebrews 9.22 said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Blood had to be shed. But God said, I'm tired of all these sacrifices, these bulls and the bleeping of the goats and all of this. Because you know what? Your heart is not changed. But when you receive Christ Jesus, through faith you believe the gospel of Christ. He comes in and he washes away. He cleanses all of the unrighteousness. On, and then he gives us eternal redemption, everlasting righteousness everlasting forgiveness. We're forgiven forever. So if you know that you're already forgiven, you don't have to say, well, I got to go because I got to go do this. I got to go get my offering. Got to go get my offering. You don't have to do that. All you had to do was, like I said, the righteousness of a faith. Just believe the gospel of Christ. Believe that God gave his son. Believe that Christ gave his life. Then you're going to believe you're going to go down to the gift of righteousness. Now you just got to receive all that he did. Now you just receive his finished work. His death, his burial, his resurrection did it all. Made it perfect. Now you no longer have the sin conscience anymore. But remember, don't let nobody set the law before you. Because the moment that that law is set before you, sin starts jumping up. Works of the flesh mean. <laughs> okay? Come on, say, so don't set the law. Before me, <laughs> I've been, okay. So now the next thing, it says, 1 Timothy 1.9 said, knowing this, remember the law, by the law is the knowledge of sin. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. Is the law made for a righteous man? No, but it's made for the lawless. It was made for the disobedient. It was made for the ungodly and for sinners. It was for the unholy and the profane. It was for murderers of fathers and murderers of mother and for manslayers. Now, the murderers of fathers and mother didn't mean that you took an axe and you whacked the head off. It just means you hated them. It's the same thing as murder. When you hate, the Bible said in 1 John, when you hate your brother, it's the same thing as you commit murder. All right. So then Romans chapter 20. Romans 5, 20, sorry. Said, moreover... Because we're talking why the law was added. Moreover, the law entered that the offense or that the sin might abound. But where sin abound, grace did much more abound. Romans 6.23 said the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And that's through Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things that Jesus said, remember, because he came in under the law. Remember, said in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of, the, made of a woman, made under the law. So when he was under the law, but he was talking to the Jew, he said, if I had not come and spoken unto you, because remember, Jesus said, I only speak what I hear my father say. So it was really, it was really the father that was speaking to these Jews. He said, if I had not come and spoken unto you, they had not sinned, but now they don't have no cloak for their sin. Why? God was still speaking to them. Even from the days, because he was telling them that this law is only going to be till Christ come. Now Christ is here, you're rejecting him. First you reject my word, then you reject my son. All right. Then in John chapter 12 and verse 48 through 50, it said, He that rejected me, this is Jesus talking, and receiving not my word, has one that judge him. The word I have spoken the same shall judge you at the last day. So we already know that was before Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, right? So in John 12, 50 said, And I know his commandment is life everlasting. Whatever I speak, therefore, even the Father said to me, so I speak. All right. So then I'm going to go down because I'm not going to, I already did the thing on the fringes, okay? Now, remember we talked about um, um, the conscience of sin. So go to Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to look at verse 16 through verse 20, all right? And so this is what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 15, verse 16 through verse 20. It said, and Jesus said, are you also yet without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatsoever enter into the mouth, it goes into the belly, and then it's cast out of the drought? 
But he said those things that proceed from the mouth, they come from where? From the heart. You say the heart, from the mind, from the conscience. This is where those things come. And out of them, that's, those are the things that defile a man. But they was talking about, you know, you're eating with unwashed hands. You're doing this. He said, that don't defile a man because you said, well, you know, y'all didn't wash your hands before y'all came and sat down and ate. You should. You got maybe germs on your hand. But the thing, well, what defiles a man? The things that come out of the heart, those unclean things, those works of the flesh. He said, those are the things that defiles a man. He said, because out of it, verse 19, out of the heart proceed the evil thoughts, the murders, the adulterers, the fornications, the theft, the false witness, the blasphemy. These are the things that defile a man. But to eat with unwashing hands, it does not defile you. But if you're under the law, uh-uh, can't come in here, got to wash your hands, mm-mm, got to go do this, got to go do that. Those are not the things that defile. If your man is not saved, it's those things, those works of the flesh that defiles you. All right, so now I'm going to go back again because I want to show you this. So in Galatians 3.19, and this time I'm going to read it from the NLT, Galatians 3.19. It said, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sin. But the law was designated to last only until the coming of Christ, who was the seed that was promised. And I'm going to stop right there because the other part said God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was a mediator between God and the people. So, so when Christ come, he would fulfill the law, which was the old covenant. I'm not going there, but Matthew 5, 17, you said, I am not come to destroy the law, but I'm come to fulfill it. And he said, now one jot or one tiller going to pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So when Christ come, he was going to fulfill the law. When Christ came, he was going to give them a new covenant that was going to be in his blood. He was going to give his life so that they could have life. Then Christ was going to redeem them from the curse of the law. Now, we always say the law, but we were never under the law. Come on, say we, we. were never under the law. But because of the churches that we went to, they preached to us the law. But remember, you were never under the law. So if all you know is from Romans to Revelation, you good. Because <laughs> that's the gospel of grace, right? All right. So then in Deuteronomy 18 and verse 15, I'm going to do 15 and 16. They were supposed to know when Christ came. Moses said... The Lord that God would raise up a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren's like unto me. Him you shall hearken. Well, who was God going to raise up? He was going to raise up Christ. Then verse 16 said, according to all that you desired of the Lord when you was in Horeb of the assembly, saying, don't let us hear the voice of God. Moses, you speak to us. So then in 1 John 41. Now, when, when, when um, John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus, first he said, Behold the Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world. Then John the Baptist had disciples. But one of John's disciples, who was Philip uh, in John 141, he said he finded his own brother Simon. And he said, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. So they were looking for the one that was going to come and they knew he would be the Messiah or the Christ. Remember, it was based on his name. They believed on who he was. So they were looking for him. Not everybody, but some were. And so in John chapter one, verse 45, then it said, Philip find Nathaniel. And he said, we have found him whom Moses and the law and the prophets did right. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So when John was, they said, that's the one. So we're going to follow him. So then when Jesus talked to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 25 and 26, the woman said to him, to Jesus, I know that Messiah's coming, which is called Christ. And when he come, he's going to tell us all things. Jesus said, I that speak to thee am he. I'm already here, and I'm here to tell you all things. And you know what he did? He told her all things. He told her everything that she did. She said, oh, my God, I got to go run and tell it. So she went back to her community, to her town, and she told all of the people, come see a man that told me everything that I did. That's what Christ was going to do, but they were looking for him. 
the ones that kept the law. They were looking for the one that would come and give them life because that's what righteousness is. Not them keeping the command that was giving them righteousness, but the one that was coming was going to give them the spirit. That was Christ. Then in um, Isaiah 7:14, God himself said, I'm going to give you a sign. Isaiah 7:14, he said, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Now you think about this. If the king knew that there was a, a, a prophet, somebody that was probably going to take his place, he knew it. The wise men told him, don't you think that the people of Bethlehem were saying, you know what? A, first they said a virgin. A vir if somebody came and said, that's the virgin over there that had the baby, everybody would know who she is. You wouldn't have to say, really? You'd be going to, hey, sister, so how you doing? So how'd it happen? Now, y'all know y'all to ask. You know you ask. And if you weren't brave enough to ask, you would send her a letter, send her a text. So, sister, can we have lunch? Tell me, so how'd that happen? But they were looking for him, and God gave them everything that they need to know to know who it was when he come. So in Micah chapter 5, the prophet Micah chapter 5, verse 2, he told them what town he was going to be born in. He said, but thou Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you be the little among thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth a ruler in Israel. The king knew that a new ruler had been born. That's why he sent the wise men. You go find it and you come back and bring me word again. Because his whole purpose was to kill. When the wise men didn't come back and tell him where he was, you know what he did? He went through the town and he killed all the babies. They said, Rachel, weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. Why? Because the king, that devil, was trying to find to destroy the seed that was come that was going to give his life so that all men could be made free. All right. So then Galatians chapter four, the Bible said, but in the fullness of time, Galatians four and five, and when the fullness of time was come, see, it wasn't the fullness of time for them, but it did get to a place where it was a fullness of time. It's time now for Christ to come on the scene. I mean, they done been in captivity 70 years with this one and so many years with that one. You know, the Greek, the, uh, the Babylon, they done been in captivity. But now God said, in the fullness of time was come. God sent forth his son. He was made of a woman and he was made under the law. But why was that? So that he could redeem them that was under the law. He came to redeem them, to buy them back. And that's what he did with his life. You was redeemed, not with corruptible things like silver and gold, but you was redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. He used his blood to redeem Israel. All right. So now we're going to go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 through 25. So 23 said, but before faith came, we, the Jews, were kept under the law. Shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Now, the NLT, if you have that, NLT, same thing, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 23. It said, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, that the way of faith was revealed. And this we got to understand. They said they was they was kept in, in custody. But why did God have them in custody? To keep them alive. He didn't want everybody to die off. Remember, through them, the Gentiles was going to get saved. So if all, if all of his people died, then what? Nobody had an example. Nobody knew God. Nothing. But because he put them under the law, he put them in protective custody. It's just like if they arrest a person and they say, oh, we're going to put them in jail. Well, I'm trying to keep you alive until you have to go before the judge. But they put him in protective care to speak until the way of faith was revealed. So they obeyed the law until Christ came. Then when Christ come, he's going to forgive. The, I mean, he's going to fulfill the law and now he's going to give them life. All right. So then in verse 24, Galatians 3, 24, it said, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. The law was what? 
the schoolmaster, and it was going to bring them to Christ so that they could be justified or made righteous by faith. And then verse 25 said, but after that faith has come, you're no longer under a schoolmaster. You no longer got to be in protective custody. Why? Because now Christ died, buried, resurrected. He's given you his life now. Now you can live a life in the spirit. Now you're no longer under the law. Now you no longer got to offer up the bulls and the goats. But you know what? It's like Christ, this was Jesus Christ came and all of that happened, right? But then how many know that was 2,000 years ago when Christ was raised from the dead? How many know people are still trying to do it? They still want to be under the law. They just want to be under the law. They feel, you know, if we don't do this. I mean, are we really a church? Maybe we're a cult because we don't do none of the things that the Bible said we're supposed to be doing. By faith. Oh, did I do number two? Okay, but they under tutors and governors. The tutors and the governors until the appointed time of the Father. They was under the Mosaic law. So in Galatians chapter 4, 3 says, even as we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, what were the elements? The elements were rudiments. It was the beginning teachings of the law. They said they were in bondage under the elements. They had all of the ceremonial laws, the washing and all of that. So, but in, in Hebrews 6 and 1, it tells us, Therefore, leaving, leaving those beginning principles, the doctrines, leaving, go on unto perfection. How many know grace is perfection? Go on unto perfection. And then it says, not laying again the foundation of repentance. So what do you think you do when you baptize? Why, why do they baptize? For forgiveness of sin, for repentance. Go on from that. Don't you believe that you already got everlasting redemption? You already got everlasting forgiveness. You don't have to be baptized. Come on, say, you don't have to be baptized. Christ has already forgiven you of all sin. All right. So he said, leaving and leaving the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And then verse 2 said, of the doctrines of baptisms and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. There is no eternal judgment for, for us. We have everlasting righteousness. That's what grace is. Grace reigns through righteousness. And how long is righteousness? Eternal. <laughs> Glory to God. So then verse 9 said, but now after that you've known God or you're known of God, how are you going to turn again to the weak and the beggarly elements when you desire to be in bondage? Why do you want to be in bondage? Why do you want to say, no, we got to do this. We got to keep this. We got to go here. We got to do all of this. We got to do, you know, the... why? Galatians 5.1 says, stand therefore in the liberty, in the freedom wherewith Christ has made us free. And don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Who want to be in bondage? And it's interesting. They only want to be in bondage a little bit. They only want to do just a little. They don't want to do everything that the law requires. I just want to do that part. Because that makes me feel good because I did that. Come on. Don't entangle yourself with the yoke of bondage. Because when you do that, Christ then becomes of no effect to you. You've fallen from grace. You cannot be in faith and under the law also. You can't be in grace and then operate under the law, your faith is void, and you are yet in your sins. All right, so then, if, um, and, and I know that the bondage, that was the law, because in uh, Acts 15, 10, it says, now therefore, why you tempt God? This is when, uh, I think it was Peter was talking. He said, why do you tempt God to put a yoke upon the necks of the disciples? It said, which neither our fathers nor we could bear. They couldn't bear the law. But you're saying that the Gentiles got saved, but they still got to keep the law of Moses. That's a yoke. You couldn't bear it. Our fathers could not bear it. So why people that were never under the law, they just received the gospel of Christ. They believed it. God sealed them with the Holy Spirit of promise. But now, now you're going to come tell them, no, but you still got to keep the law of Moses. 
Why are you trying to put that yoke of bondage on people? Why? Galatians 5, 4, NLT. I don't have my NLT. Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, NLT. Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. Is that when you're justified by the law, you're falling from grace? Is that the one? It's not on there. Okay. Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. It says, for if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. I mean, if he saved me by grace, by God, I'm not going back to the law again, back in bondage again. Come on, stand fast in the liberty, the freedom that Christ has made us free. He has delivered us from the, from the, from the, from the uh, sin and death. He's already delivered us from that. But if you go back to the law, you go back under that. Y'all got that? I got that. All right. Then so Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 15 said, having abolished the enmity, that's hatred, even the law of commandments, to making himself of twain one new man. So Christ abolished the enmity, and it said even the law of commandments. What did he do? It said Christ through death, he ended the system of the law with the commandments, the regulations, the ceremonies, and the ordinance. All of it. So in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, it said, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has quickened you, made you alive together with him, having forgiven all trespass. Say all trespass. So that means can't nobody come and say, you remember when you did that? Uh-uh, forgiven. You don't remember? Don't remember. I have no remembrance of that. But you, surely you, no remembrance, been forgiven. Been forgiven. Been forgiven. You know what, one of the things that, that I try to tell my children says, you know, I, I know a lot of people like to talk on the phone. And it's okay if you want to talk on the phone. But come on, if... If you're going to try to just tell me all the things that maybe I didn't do, blah, 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 blah. I'm not, I'm not hearing that. I'm sorry. Okay, so you said what? Okay, I'll talk to you later. No, 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 because I want to tell you. I was offended. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Just go pray about it. It'll be all right. You don't have to receive all of that. You do not have to receive all of that. What I see, they got the problem, but they want you to share in that problem. I'm not doing it. Come on, say, I love you. Either we're going to pray, and that's going to be it. We're not going down memory lane. Well, you know when you did this, you know how they did that. You know they did that over there to me. That's why I'm the way I am, because of what they did to me. Hello, sin's been forgiven. Come on, you got to learn to tell people, sin's been forgiven. <laughs> I'm alive. When I was in sin, I was dead. But now I am alive. And I will not let anybody bring me back and bunish because they got a problem. If they got a problem, they need to pray. All right, that's all I'm saying. All right. Come on, say, so they just need to pray. So in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, now I'm showing you all the things that Christ did. First in verse 13, said he quickened us, he made us alive together with Christ, forgiven all sin. Verse 14 says, he blotted out the handwriting of ordinance. Those were the commandments that was written on the tables of stone. Said he blocked it, he blotted out the handwritings that was against us, not us, but the Jews, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So all of those commandments, the ceremonial, why, Christ nailed all that to the cross. Why are we trying to keep doing it? Why are we trying to keep doing it? And why do we try to put people down if they don't do it? They got an understanding. Your eyes are still closed. Come on, say, I'm free. I'm free. All right. Whom the Son said free is what? Free indeed. So in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, it said, Beware, lest any man spoil you through their philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after 
Christ. They will spoil you. Let me tell you this. So one day Jesus' disciples, Jesus and his disciples, they was walking through the corn and the disciples, they got, you know, ear corn. They plucked it off and they was eating. And the Pharisees was there. They said, uh-huh. See there, I got you. Why is it that your disciples eat with unwashing hands? Maybe because they know where the water at. They just walking through the fields. But what the law had said, if you walk through any man's field, whether it's corn or wine or whatever, you can eat to your heart's desire. But what you cannot do is take a, a, a knife, cut it off, say, well, mm, this was some good corn. I'm going to take my family a couple of, can't do that. Said if you was walking through a vineyard, oh, I'm so thirsty. You got them, oh, these are so good. You cannot take some with you. But what the Pharisees said, see, they eat the corn and they ain't washed their hands. Hello? <laughs> so that's called a tradition of men. So what God had told them to do, they just changed it to make it suit them. I mean, you know, no, well, we're going to change that. Like one of the things God said, God said that when your parents need help, help them. But you know what they say? Well, what I was going to give to mom and dad, I gave it to the Lord. So now I don't have to give mom and dad nothing. Now the Lord didn't say that, did it? It didn't. It talked about honoring your parents. If they have a need, give them the need. Meet that need. Pastor Crump told us on Sunday, the past Sunday, he said, love your parents while you have them. Don't wait until they're gone. Don't wait to go to the, to the cemetery and you got to sit there on your stool and you, I got to talk to mom, I got to talk to dad, I got to tell you everything. They don't hear you. Talking to the dead. They don't hear you. Say, they don't hear you. Get yourself up and go home and pray. Do what you're going to do for your parents while you can. Love them while you can. Remember, you were young and they took care of you. When they get old and they can't do all the things that they should do, why do you think God gave you children? He gave you children so they can do the same thing for their parents that their parents did for them. And we don't want to do the things for our parents. So they took care of us. So when we don't want to do for our parents, we'll just, mm, I'm going to go and do some work up at the church. I'm going to do No, he told you what to do and he showed you what to do. But then we go, hey, I'm fine. So I don't have to give my parents nothing because I gave what I was going to give to the Lord. No, you didn't. No, you say, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Okay. So then we're going to go ahead on. Then the next part, uh, Colossians 2.20 said, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments, the element, the beginning teachings, why, as though you living in the world, are you now subject to ordinance? What are ordinance? Baptism. Is that an ordinance? They said that's the, one of the main ordinances in the church. Bread on the table. Why are you subject to ordinance? They, Israel did that when they were going into the land because they were supposed to be an example. Christ already came. He already died. He already fulfilled it. Why are you now subject to ordinance? Well, you know, all of our churches is going because we got this big thing, this, what is it, holy uh, convocation? Uh-huh, right, well, whatever, yeah. They got this big thing coming on and we all got to go. You know, we got to dress up, we got to get all of our big hats and, and all of that. We got to keep, huh? Yeah, you got to go and keep them festivals. Why? My question is why are you subject to ordinance? Well, you know, if we don't, if we don't keep them, you know, Foot washing service is so spiritual. <laughs> no, it ain't. It is not. When I want my feet done, I go get a pedicure. I don't have to put on a, a, a sad face and frown and do all of that to see like I'm spiritual. Seriously? You need your feet washed? Take a bath. Get a foot tub like we used to have. Put your feet in there. Put some Dr. Scholl stuff in there. And take care of that. 
then you don't have to come to church and everybody making the ones feel bad because they don't want to partake of your foot washing service. Why? Because they know when you take me back to that, you're trying to put me under the law, which I was never under. Come on. Don't live. Don't. Okay. Don't live in the world that you are subject to all of the ordinance. Christ said, Christ, fulfill all the ordinance. All. So if something's already fulfilled, why are we trying to go back and do it? Ignorance. Well, my parents did it, still ignorance. Because they did it don't mean I have to do it. Because I know the truth. And then Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 10 says, these, oh, these ordinances, they stood only in meats and in drinks and in divers' washings and carnal ordinances until the time of reformation. Well, what was the reformation? When Christ come and he was set all things in order. They were only until Christ came. But we're trying to take it on. Let's drag it a little. Let's take it a little bit further. So Romans chapter 3 and verse 30 said, Seeing it is one God who shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Well, the circumcision by faith means they believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing on his name, they would have life. That's what the Jews believed after Christ had died. Well, when he came, that's what they had to believe. Jesus asked Peter, he said, so who do men say that I am? They said, well, some say you're Elias. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said, but who do you say that I am? Because he was trying to find out, do you know who I am? Do you know why I came? Then Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you know what? My father revealed that to you. So you know what? Now that you know I'm the Christ, you know that I come and I'm going to fulfill all things. Then you know that the law of Moses will be fulfilled. It will be abolished. It will be put to an end. That's what we use. Then the next thing it says, the circumcision through faith. That's the Gentiles. We believe Christ's death, his burial, his resurrection. We believe the gospel of Christ. We believe how Christ died. Well, how did Christ die? He hanged on a tree. That's how he died. And when he hanged on a tree, he became a cursed in other words, he was cursed of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, it said, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. But why? Why did God make him a curse? Uh, Isaiah said he laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Why did he do that? So that the Gentiles, through faith, through believing the gospel, now they can be partaker of the promises that was in Adam. I mean, I'm sorry. That was in Abraham, that God promised Abraham. When God told Abraham, he said, uh, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So when the Gentiles hear this gospel and they believe through faith, guess what? Now they become partakers. So that's what Paul told. Now you are partakers. Now you are the household of God, the family of God with the saints. We are in with them. What they have, the new covenant, we are now partakers of that. Everything that God has given under the new covenant, which is better than the old, you got a part of that. Come on, we got it all. We got the better. Christ came and reformed everything. Now you got the better. Come on, say the New Testament is better than the old. Amen. So then we're going to look at Romans chapter 9. Romans 9 said, well, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not, in other words, they didn't have the law, they didn't follow after the law of righteousness, but they've attained to the righteousness of faith. So they weren't trying to keep the law, but yet they got the righteousness of faith. And then the next verse, verse 32 said, well, wherefore? Because they sought it, talking about the Jews, wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, 
but as it was by the works of the law. So now, not the ones that first went into the promised land. After Christ had come, guess what? They're still trying to seek to be righteous through the law. Paul said they got a zeal of God, but it's not according to knowledge. They're ignorance, trying to keep the law of commandments. And verse, uh, Romans 9.32 said, Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, talking about the Jews, but as it were, by the works of the law. So therefore they stumble at that stumbling stone. Christ was that stumbling stone. He said, you don't have to try to keep the law anymore. I'm going to fulfill that. All you got to do is believe that I am he. Believe I'm the one that's going to give my life for the sin of the whole world. It's kind of like K.I. for say, when one man die and the whole world go free? Well, Christ was the one that was going to give his life so all men could be free. For by one man's sin, many died. But by the obedience, by one man disobedient, but by the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. Why do we say shall be? Because you know what? Christ died for all men, but all men have not yet received that abundance of grace. Isn't that something? He's already gave you life. He gave his life so that you could have that eternal life. But all men don't want that. No, I kind of like who I am. I kind of like the way I'm living. I'm living good. I'm living my best life. But you're not saved. Don't you know what happened when you reject Christ? You think that, well, well, you know how they do is that, well, I was thinking about it, and then I died. But that's okay because my priest going to tell everybody. They're okay. They're in a place waiting. Ain't no place to wait. If you don't get it right now, if you don't receive what Christ already did on the cross, ain't nothing else you're going to do. He gave his life so that you could have eternal life. You cannot look at him, despise the word, what the word said. You got to believe. Well, who want to believe a bloody, uh, you know, all this blood? And see how, it ain't, listen, it was that blood that saved your soul. It was the blood of Christ that saved you, that redeemed you from the curse of the law. That's what you receive. You're receiving what he's done because you can't do what he did. And so you think, oh, I'm thinking about it. I, just, I still got some more living to do. Oh, guess what? Hmm. I heard that bell. All right. <laughs> okay, so Romans um, 9.33 said, because it's written. He said, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, or shall not be ashamed. And you know what? The thing that I want you to understand, the Bible said in Galatians 3, 6, that Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. When Jesus came, before he went to the cross, he was talking to the people. He, he talked about how he came to, to do the work of God. They said, well, so how can we do the work of God? That's John chapter 6. He said, the work of God is that you believe on him whom God sent. That was me. Believe me, Jesus said. I'm the one that the Father sent because when I die, I'm going to give you my life and you're going to be free. But guess what? They don't want to hear that. But I'm here today to tell you, God has given unto us the gospel of Christ. Romans 1, 16 and 17 said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in the gospel of Christ, God's righteousness is revealed. It said it's revealed from faith to faith. It was manifested by the law and it was witnessed by the law and the prophets, the just. God has justified you when you believe the gospel. He justifies you. He makes you righteous. He makes you righteous. He created you in righteousness. You can't work the law to be right, but he makes you righteous. He justifies you. So now you are righteous. The Bible said we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Said he that knew no sin. God has made him to be sin for us. 
that who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. I want you to know today, if you have believed the gospel, God has already made you righteous. He's already sanctified you. He did it with his blood and he did it once and for all men. If you are part of the all men and you haven't made that decision, make that decision now. Don't let nobody tell you, you know, I was going to, but then something happened, death happened, and, but that's okay. Uh, my priest already told me that they're going to pray me out. Ain't no praying out. Don't be deceived. The time is now. And it, all you said, I heard it, I believed it, I received that abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. So if you're here, I want you to know Pastor Earl O'Crump would love to be your pastor. And we here at Door Faith, we would love to be your family. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.